just getting ready to get into the cabin here and there's sharks around us and they're big. Fear's a real positive thing. Fear's fantastic. Fear's keeps you, especially in adventures, it keeps you sharp, it keeps you honest. Western Bulldogs forward Tom Boyd has announced his shock retirement effective immediately. I knew whatever it was that I was going after was the right direction. Hi, I'm Danny Green, former world champion boxer, local dad, brother, husband, and proud Australian. Welcome to the Fearlessly Australian podcast series. Over the next few episodes, I'll be talking to some remarkable people about what it means to be fearless. If I look back at the, you know, the most anxiety-ridden moments of my life, you know, a lot of the time it was when you know, I was on the verge of something. Together, we'll explore how they adapt to change and respond in times of adversity. How do they find the inner strength and resilience when they need it most, which has made them better, stronger and even more fearlessly Australian. Joining me is former Australian rules footballer Tom Boyd, a premiership player who had the courage to make a big change in his life and career. For me, that's where my life really turned around. And Justin Jones, the tough nut and extreme adventurer who loves to look within for a laugh. I don't know whether I should admit this, but I'm going to do it right here, and I'm going to regret this later on. <laughs> At age 26, I was in a... <laughs> Yeah, come on, let's hear it. come on, mate. Spit it out. Oh, no, no, okay. I went off and was in a ballet production. That's awesome. Mate, that's exactly what we're here for. All right, fellas, um, Tom Boyd, Justin Jones, um, welcome to the chat. Um, first off, Tom, tell us a little bit about yourself, buddy. Yeah, so I'm 25 years old. Tom Boyd, I used to play uh, AFL football. I was lucky enough to win a premiership with the Western Bulldogs back in 2016 in a, in a drought-breaking affair, which was a um, wonderful part of my journey. Tom Boyd's got it. Tom Boyd goes long. How will it bounce? The stadium holds its breath. It's a goal. Um, I also played for the GWS Giants after being selected at pick one in 2013, and um, I retired at the age of 23 in 2019, um, left behind a couple of million dollars on the table in my contract to... Uh, pursue some of the things I was more passionate about um, outside the sport, which primarily is my work in mental health, my work with young people, and, um, yeah, the sort of passion that I have for that. Wow. it's crazy. You've had a crazy story, mate. We're yeah. going to hit that in depth later on, mate. Justin? Mate, I feel like an imposter. <laughs> I'm one of the two athletic giants here and a real giant in real life. Um, I'm, <laughs> yeah, a pretty average guy. I really am. i uh, not the best at anything, not the smartest guy, not the fittest, not the best looking, but just I've been lucky to have fallen to a career as an adventurer and done some pretty phenomenal trips. Um, paddled a kayak from Australia to New Zealand, 62 days out there on the middle of the ocean, 3,318 kilometres. Then did another big trip down in Antarctica where I skied from the coast of Antarctica, the geographical coast, to the South Pole and back over 89 days. Um, brutal trip. Lost 30 kilos of weight on that trip. Um, and that was 2,275 Ks on that journey. And uh, the, I've done a lot of other trips, but one that I'm really proud of in a weird way was trying to do things a little bit different. Can't feel my fingertips though, you know? Jonesy had a breakdown last night. All the pain and suffering he's been going through in the last couple of weeks that he's been bottling up. His feet, his hands, his face. Me and my wife 
walked for 102 days through the outback, 1800 k's when our daughter was one. Um, and with that, your daughter? With our daughter, yeah, our Morgan, uh, when she was one years old. And it was insane seeing her grow up in the outback, learn how to walk in the outback. And um, so it's for me, it's about sort of trying to live life to my fullest, I guess, and and share those journeys with other people and try and inspire people to just get out there and, and, and do their thing, follow their journeys, adventures, whatever that is. Mate, I'm sorry if I'm looking at you strange. I've got to pick my f***ing <laughs> mouth up off the floor, my jaw up off the floor. My God. It's just a whole it's a whole new level what you're talking about. You, you said that, you know, where you're in between two athletes. Yeah, that's cool. And you said you're not an athlete. I think almost everyone in sport needs a structure and a tier list of things to accomplish, whether that be just the next training session or the next game or the, you know, the game in five weeks' time, the finals at the end of the year. Um, but to be able to just do it for your own personal gain is not something that resonates particularly well with athletes, at least from my perspective. Um, and I don't know many people who can operate outside the natural structure of um, sporting groups and sporting leagues that, that most people need to, uh, to push themselves to perform. Yeah, it's tough. It, it, you know, it is tough. I mean, like having no structure, no team or support where it's got to come from you. Um, that's why it goes beyond just something that's you know athletic or adventurous. It's about you know how do you how do you be safe? Like it's creating you know something that doesn't exist a protocol uh, to do these trips, and that's that's hard. What, what does it leave you with at the end? I mean, you obviously you got the physiological effects. Mm. So you're super tired. Um, you mentioned earlier that you lost <laughs> a bunch of weight. Uh, yeah. Like, what does it leave you with in your mind? Do, do you have this extraordinary feeling of satisfaction or accomplishment, or where does it where does it take you? Yeah, uh, you learn a lot about yourself on these trips. And I imagine it's when you step in the ring, when you're on the field. But on these trips, it's a drawn-out process. We're talking like three months at a time. Um, you see yourself as a person break down and you see all the individual components that make you up as a human being. You can kind of re-piece yourself back together and understand why you tick. Um, and you see parts of yourself that you don't like. There's times where you're like, you know, that's that's a real horrible part of my personality. And it allows you to analyze that. And you come back from, from those trips with a better sense of self and a better appreciation, I think, for life and people around you and, and how much you take for granted on day-to-day life. And that's something that I think, you know, is something that we should all go through some hardship because hardship, I think, is where you, you grow um, the most. And, and that's just, adventures just force it out faster. Yeah. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm <laughs> ask you a question that does not really be silly, but I guess um, a, a formal question for you boys is yeah. what does what fearless, being fearless mean to you and, and does it does it mean different things to different people? So what does fearless, being fearless mean to you, Tom? Yeah, I mean, it's always a tough one to quantify and without getting too metaphorical, I don't think you can be fearless in the absence of having fear about something, right? I mean, you can't be tough without being scared and you can't be brave without, you know, obviously understanding the consequences of some of the things that we we go through. And I think for me... Um, at some points in my life that, you know, I've really had to look back and realise that whatever I was experiencing, whether it be my issues with mental health or my journey through the footballing world, was that sometimes you just need the ability to um, to get some help from some people to push you along the way. Sometimes you need to look within yourself to find the resolve to do it. And um, it's actually the ability to, to deal with the challenge ahead of you and get through it and come out the other side, you know, probably a, a bigger person, a person who's developed more and come through the other side with a sense of purpose that defines your ability to be fearless rather than simply obviously being you know not cognizant of things that are scary in your life if that makes sense yeah it does mate i think <clears throat> when you described before walking away from a multi-million dollar contract as a young man mm-hmm. you know young, a lot of young young people in general you know that 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 is a massive carrot um to walk away from 
um, to me and to do something that you are passionate about, that you want to do. For a young bloke, you know, how old were you, 25 years old? 23. 23 years old. 20, to, to walk away from a million dollar, a multi-million dollar contract at the age of 23 to do something that you wanted to do, I think that displays fearlessness. Yeah, I mean, it wasn't without some doubt. I mean, we all make decisions in our life and, and you know, some of them are more final than others. I was never getting that contract back and... Um, you know, I think in many ways it, it just took me a long time to get to the de- the decision that I knew I had to make, which was that you know my life and and the, and the way that I was dealing with football wasn't the best thing for me long term, and it wasn't something that I was passionate about enough, especially after my first couple of years in the league, that it was going to hold me in good stead. So I needed to make a decision, and I think talk about fearless. Well, the decision to actually take the plunge into the next stage of my life and just throw caution to the wind and realise that I knew whatever it was that I was going after was the right direction and to follow it 100% was the the, the decision I had to make. Well, what about you, buddy? Yeah, fear for me, it's 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 similar. Um, fear... Fear is an interesting topic. It really is. And I think something it's, it's people shy away from being afraid and, and fear is a negative thing. Fear is a real positive thing. Fear is fantastic. Fear keeps you, especially in adventures, it keeps you sharp. It keeps you honest. It keeps you grounded in reality because you know you're making real decisions with real consequences. Um, so I, I think it's a real thing that should be looked as a positive. And, and fearlessness, it's, it's not an absence of fear. It's not being de- desensitized to fear. It's actually realizing, feeling that something's scary and walking towards it, not away. And that's, that is true fearlessness. Um, so for me, it's, it's a skill I think that can be learned to a degree. I mean, you, you can practice things, you realize, you, you know, you do something badly and you come back from there and you go, shit, you know, what can I do better next time? You know, I probably should have done X, Y, Z instead of that. You know, I felt fear and I let that overwhelm me. So right next time I feel those feelings, I'm just going to sit with them and just hold it. And I think, I think it's something that a lot of people need to practice a little bit more because it's, it's a positive. It really is. And it goes hand in hand with risk and risk-taking. I think Australia, I think a lot of countries around the world, you know, there's an, an aversion to risk. I think we've got to embrace risk because that's when you grow. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's make or break, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. You put your balls in the line and it comes off. It's such an incredible feeling. You know, I remember when I, I risked my family's ha- my house. I had to remortgage um, my house that I had, that I, that I bought, mm. um, to put money into a bank account to overseas in escrow and a lawyer's account in escrow overseas to um, guarantee that the fighter, he wanted that, Roy Jones Jr., he needed that to guarantee that he was going to get paid because he didn't he didn't realise that he couldn't believe that a, a promoter and a fighter from Australia could actually put a big fight on down here in Australia. So that, that through the whole process of the promotion, uh, not only was I worried about getting knocked out, and my, my main fear in fighting was letting people down. It wasn't about losing. It wasn't about the, the physical damage. It was about letting people down. I didn't want to let my brother down, my mates, my, my dad, you know, my, 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 my team. I didn't want to let them down. The people then who started following me, uh, I didn't want to let them down. That was where I got my fear from. But for me, the, the, that I was my, my, my bum was you know squeezing when I was in, during that promotion, <laughs> the fight, because you know it was it was a big risk and a big punt. But then when it come off and the fight did well promotion wise, it did well crowd wise and pay per view, it did really well. The the uh, the, the celebration is so much more, um, I guess, uh, satisfying when you've put so much risk on the line. Mm. It's, it's, you know, it's, it's, more, it's more satisfying. A legend has fallen. Baz, I told you. I told you, didn't I? 
all these expeditions that I've done are 90%. Like the success in them is 90% the planning and then 10% the execution. But the 10% the execution is the hardest. And you've got to just adapt on the fly to certain situations. And you've got to hope that you've come up with all these questions and queries and you've answered. You've got this, you know, the planning right for, for you to survive. And so when something crops up that you don't really know about, you don't have to sweat the small stuff. You can just focus on the problem. And when you lose control, like I didn't think I was a control freak. But I actually realize it's about trying to control the elements and choosing when you can't um, to, to, to uh, yeah, it's hard. It's really, really hard. Um, that kind of answers the next question I was going to ask you. Is fearless something that comes natural or can it be, can it be learned, can it be taught, being fearless? Oh, I reckon, I reckon you definitely learn it, 100%. Probably, probably in your game, I, I imagine in your, in your endeavors, these incredible endeavours, I imagine preparation would probably eliminate a portion of the fear. I think we're all a sum of all our successes. Like, like we, we as human beings walking around now, we're a sum of all our life experiences and all the successes we've had and all the failures. And it's about going out there and trialling things in a safe environment. You test, trial, simulate things. And if they don't work, you learn from it. You know, and, and you know, it's our success and failures that make us up as human beings that allow us to, to achieve you know, in the sporting field, in the ring or, or our own adventure. That's my thought, yeah. Mm. Do you reckon you can be taught? Well, I think understanding it is a big part of it. I mean, like if I look back at the, you know, the most anxiety-ridden moments of my life, you know, a lot of the time it was when, you know, I was on the verge of something, A, terrifying, but B, something great. It was it was those moments leading big up game. to big games, big crowds, big consequences. How do we, you know, turn this into something that we, you know, are so satisfied and so happy with? And I think understanding what your body and the, the fear is actually telling you is that you know there's something right right there just outside of your grasp that's worth grabbing that you have to go and take the leap and try to sort of chase it to make to make the most of the the moments that you're in rather than realizing and being crippled by the fear that or the anxiety or whatever stress you're feeling in those sort of intimate moments before a big event or a big fight or a big big trip would you say that when you walked away from the game and pursued what you wanted to pursue personally was that probably the most time that you most afraid you've been in your life? No, probably not. Honestly, I mean, look, certainly in the lead up to it, but then you know, once I actually made the decision, and this is before I even told anyone about it, I just came really, really clear. I had this amazing moment of clarity where I was like, "This is probably four or five years in the making." Regardless of the success I had on the field, most of the time when I was playing footy, I felt like I was missing something in my life. It was like. I was working 100% of my life on something that I wasn't 100% committed to and that, you know, I actually really wanted to work on Tom the person rather than just Tom the football and I couldn't find a way to do it both at the same time. If there's one thing that I think everyone should do is like dream and then if that's what, you know, is going to float your boat, that's what's going to make you sing as a human being inside, then chase it. As long as you're keeping yourself safe, your friends safe, your community safe, and you're not doing anything to harm other people, go chase those things. We need that fearlessness in Australia. We need that fearlessness in the world because, you know, life right now is hard. We went through a rough year last year. I mean, and this stuff is going to keep on happening. Yeah. You know, the climate crisis, this, that, the other stuff is going to get bad. And it's about having people who are willing to have those dreams chase after them. They're going to be the sparks that you watch and fly and you go, right, if that person can do that, then hell, I can do my thing. Mm. And then you're going to see just, I think, as a, as a nation, us just take off. If we can just take the restrictions, take these blinkers off that we all wear on a day-to-day basis and just go, you know what, what can we all achieve? And just support one another rather than pull people down. 
to be honest, the the one thing that I often tell people is that, you know, when I was most miserable, I was earning over a million dollars a year, you know, and that is nothing to spit at. That's a serious amount of money. And so by the time that I got to the point where I was like, no, no, football's not for me anymore, you know, it wasn't about the the decision to make the money. It was actually the fact that the money represented the fact that I was committed to the game and committed to my job. And so continuing to do that when I wasn't just felt so inauthentic and that I would have hated myself to do it. And that's why I walked away. So, um, you know, like, for me, I think, you know, you talk about uh, these people who are lashing out and, and, you know, saying hurt people, hurt people all the time is massive. And, and a lot of the things that I talk about when I do the work in mental health is that the conversation needs to be how do we move 95% of the population 2 or 3% in the right direction in terms of how they feel about themselves and how they can help each other and help, um, you know, the people around them and push the positive community message forward rather than just wallowing into this incestuous and, and overwhelming sense of grief that everyone is going through at the moment. It's, it's, um, it, it, we're, we're kind of, it's crazy. Even before COVID came along, I was, you know, people talk about Australia and or talk about how, 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 how ordinary some things are. It's like, mate, yeah, yeah, I haven't got a clue. I've been to some places. I've been lucky to travel the world and see some extremely poor places that, you know, wouldn't even actually realise, wouldn't believe it. If, if we were to show them a snapshot and give them a day in the life of, 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 of what it means to be in Australia, they wouldn't believe it. They go, that can't be right. You, that doesn't exist. That's in a movie, that shit. You know, so we're so blessed. I don't know whether I should admit this, but I'm going to do it right here, and I'm going to regret this later on. <laughs> At age 26, I was in a... <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. Come on, mate. Spit it out. Oh, no, no. Okay. At 26 years old, I went off and was in a ballet production. <laughs> it's awesome. Um, as Gaston in Beauty and the Beast, and it was the funniest thing. I had a ride of a time, and it was like this... And we're not talking like, we're talking like there was kids young as like four doing ballet, but also the principals who were like, you know, Belle and, and, and the Beast, ex-New York Ballet. She was an ex-New York Ballet dancer and and he was ex-Amsterdam Royal Ballet or whatever it is and like high level. And then there was there was me and I was just doing this for like, a, I was asked to do it, a bit of comic relief and as a lark. And man, like, it's just, you got to do Mate, that's exactly what we're here for, <laughs> talking about this kind of stuff. This is, I'm glad we sucked it out of you because... Uh, see, and I still have that reaction of, like, it's, you got to draw it out of me. But nah, like, yeah, way, oh, mate. It's, it. it's the it bomb. Man. That's what being, that's what this is all about, about being fierce. Like, you look at a guy like you, and you're worried to tell us that you're in a ballet production <laughs> when you're 26 years old, but you paddle a kayak to, to, yeah. to New Zealand. It doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah, to be You know, weird. like, it's, you're, you're, you're a macho and as manly as you can get but you're doing a ballet production that's what being fearless is about doing what makes you happy and so that's what the whole world's got it's got upside down you know you can be the toughest hardest strongest most durable man but you're also in a ballet play and that's you man that's what being fearless is about doing what you want to do that makes you happy and you know it who cares what people think you're having a good time you're not hurting anyone exactly also cried during disney disney movies so i was just a little bit (laughs) oh i sing during disney movies that's all good i cried during disney movies because i was so tired I'm watching with my kids. <laughs> got nothing. Frozen. No, no, no more frozen. We'll get back to it, fellas. Um, how do you handle um, times of change or uncertainty? And what what advice would you give to young people going through struggles who are potentially looking to go through some change or, or you know going through some hardship? What advice you got for them, Tom? 
I, mean, I think last year was a good example, right? I mean, so for instance, with with my life, the way it was going was, you know, my, my work, a lot of the public speaking that I do, a lot of my interaction with people, which, you know, to be honest, is what I base my accomplishment on, you know, it's how do I impact people in, in my life? Um, they've gone, like it was for everyone. Um, my education was gone because I, you know, it, the, the uni stopped. Then community sports gone. And so you start peeling back your life and you, you sort of realise that um, so much of your life and the structure that you rely on and the, the routine that you rely on and the, the validation that you, that you need is predicated on someone else's schedule. And I think for me, it was a really eye-opening experience where all of a sudden I realised, well, hang on a minute. You know, I've been through some really difficult periods of time in my life. Um, I've been through some periods of time where I didn't know what was next and, and where to go. But I also had been through those periods and picked up some of the things that obviously worked for me. And, and I knew that at the very least last year, I could work out what time I wanted to get up in the morning. I could work out you know, what I wanted to do from an exercise point of view. I could volunteer my time and get in the room with people who were smarter than me, try and learn something. And I could start filling my days with things that I knew made me feel like I was accomplishing something, whether that be calling people who were struggling, people who were in isolation, people with businesses who were shut down, and to fill my life with you know the whatever amount of things I could. So at the end of the day, when I sat, laid my head down on the pillow at the end of the night, I was like, I actually achieved something today. And that was all within my control. When I, it's hard to imagine it at times. And, and you know, we all have access to different amounts of people and um, and facilities and, and you know, monetary things and all that sort of stuff. But a lot of the things that we have access to in terms of what we can control through adverse periods are all within our grasp. And they don't really change that much from person to person. So for me, that's something that I had to learn, you know, particularly in 2017, sort of coming out the other side of the worst periods of my life. And it seemed, it seemingly stood the test of time last year. And I think it's a really valuable tool to realise that, you know, having control of some of the stuff that's within your grasp and focusing on that and focusing on accomplishing it to the best of your ability is really, really powerful. Change is, um, change is inevitable. Like it, it, this moment right now with the way the world you know, is, this is the least amount of change we're going to see in the future going forward. It's always going to change. The change is going to be more volatile, more crazy in terms of the climate, in terms of things like COVID, different little viruses are going to pop up. We're going to see a lot of change in our lives and you can't hide from it. You can't. And that's, yeah, it is scary, but guess what? It's just, it's just a fact of life. So you can either disappear and try and hide from that or you can embrace it and go, you know what? How can I look for the opportunities? Because with change, with this disruption, um, there's a lot of there's a lot of positive things that actually happen. Um, talking about the controllables, like you mentioned, you know, and I hate the saying, you know, control the controllables, you know, don't worry about the things you can't, you know. Uh, I had severe claustrophobia, like in a kayak, and something that really helped me was a realization that you've got to kind of surrender. Not surrender as in de- like de- with a connotation of defeat. Surrender and accept the conditions accept something is happening if you try and like fight against change you're going to lose you're always going to lose so accept what's happening what's happening and then go right okay that's what's happening and don't try and big it up go hey so you know it's a great situation that my career suddenly gone your career's gone whatever um just accept the fact that it's happened and go right well now that i've mourned that uh, and I've, I've you know thought about that let's think about what i actually can do and what, what, what can actually leave a positive change in in my community in my surrounds i look back now i'm 48 i look back when i was a young bloke and i was kind of an angry young bloke you know i was mm-hmm. you know just just i just was i was not angry but i was just you know didn't really know what i was where i wanted to be i was only a kid didn't know what the I was going to do with my life and I saw this and I, I could have easily been pulled in that direction because I was kind of going wow that's exciting because I was always looking for the edge 
As a young bloke, I always look for the edge, something exciting, something thrill-seeking, something that was a bit against the grain, something that didn't fit with everyone else. I always wanted to do something like that. Not intentionally, it's just what, I, what, just what excited me was going against the grain. And then um, I was lucky when I found boxing at the age of 18 and found my trainer, um, who was my, my late father's, one of his best friends, was a guy called Patrick De Valerius. He emigrated from Burma, brought his family out, his brother's family. There was two families. They started working um, where my, my uh, dad went to Hungry Jacks and this guy started, started working with him. They became mates. He was a Burmese champion. His four sons were Australian champions when he came out and that's how I found boxing. And, and for me, um, I never looked back. So I was able, I was lucky enough as a young bloke, that was probably the turning point. It was. It was a turning point in my life. I remember it. One afternoon he came around to tape my brother, who was a footballer, as a, for pre-season in football. And I had I was kickboxing as well, so I had a couple of kickboxing fights, but I always wanted to be a boxer. And I joined in the training session, and from that day I never looked back. And that was the moment, that was a pivotal moment in my life that changed my life and probably, I would say, kept me alive and kept me going in the, down the wrong path because I was probably heading down that wrong path. And for me, that was the moment that changed my life. Was there a moment in your life, mate, that, that was, was pivotal that you can remember that goes, wow, that was a turning point? Yeah, I, I think, you know, as a young man in particular, all through my juniors, even up until probably 2017, where my life pretty much fell apart, I, I was just so full of pride and so full of um, certainty that I had the answers. Um, and part of that was, you know, a massive level of insecurity that, you know, that I didn't feel comfortable accessing other people's help. Um, I felt like I had to do it on my own. And in many ways, my career was so unique that I felt like no one could understand. Um, and what that led me to was not dealing with any of the challenges I was facing, ignoring all of the things, um, rejecting a lot of the help that was offered to me based on, you know, my own sense of self-worth or whatever it was. And then finally realising that, you know, I didn't have the answers. I was 21 years old, 22 years old. I just won a premiership. I was getting paid a million dollars a year, um, and I was just absolutely miserable. And so I figured that you know someone else had to have some answers for me. And I think in those moments, I found the you know the, the vulnerability or the capability within myself to just access some other people's information and to open myself up to a, a conversation that was bigger than what I thought. You know, and for me, that's where my life really turned around because all of a sudden I had this brave new world of ideas and concepts and and help and support. And suddenly, when things turned, you know, for the worse, then I didn't have no one picking me up. I had heaps of people because I actually opened myself up and gave a bit more of myself to others. And likewise, when things were going well, I had all these people who were just uh, genuinely happy for me going well, rather than being like, oh, you know. He's, overpaid and he's this and that. Well, the voices like that got drowned out later in my career because I had so much density around me of people who just cared. And I think that was a real key moment in my life where, you know, I just became uh, probably from in many ways a boy to something that resembled a young man. It's kind of incredible to hear you say that it was one of the worst times in your life. You were a premiership player, which every kid dreamed of, which you dreamed of. Mm. You were earning money. That's it's it's you know it's a, that's a dream for for majority of people. For all of us, it's a dream to be earning that money. Um, not the money's everything, but you know, no. as a young footballer, the money, you know, yeah, I shouldn't say I shouldn't say money's not everything because you know to some people uh, it is everything. It's it's you know everyone needs money to survive, and um, it kills me that you know some so, so many people do it so. Tough, and it's you know the world just I just think there's an imbalance in the world in some areas. But yeah. it, it blows me away to hear that it was one of the worst times of your life when most people, I think 99.9 percent, were looking and going, "Man, that guy's living the dream." Yeah. It's, it's, and it's a lesson I have to remind myself all the time. 
And whatever offers you get to do certain things, whether forgetting about the money and actually looking at what you're offered to do and working out if it's valuable, not only for you, but for the people around you and the broader community, that's the conversation you always have to have. Because for many, many points in my life, and particularly when I was earning the most amount of money that I ever did, I wasn't having a good time. And there was reasons for that. And so falling back into the attraction of, of quick money and the attraction of um, you know, notoriety and all those things, there's a really clear message for me in my life that that is not what I like to do. And um, you know, is as much as it's a strong message, you do still have to remind yourself all the time. Mate, I, I really think that um, what you're saying is is absolutely fearless. You know, it takes big, big balls to have that attitude. Not to have that attitude, to live with that attitude, to, to be to be that person, mate. It takes big balls. It's strong because so many people, we, you know, so many kids now, look, at. I think you've got a real massive message that can resonate with so many kids, hopefully resonate with the kids. A lot of kids that think you've got to be famous, you've got to be radical, you've got to do something that people think's cool, and you've got to be earning big bucks and driving fast cars, all the bullshit. Mm. But in reality, it's about being happy and being being comfortable and being secure in, in your future. And, mate, it takes big balls. You've got a massive message for a lot of people out there, mate. Mm, I appreciate that. Uh, the satisfaction I've always had is with people, you know, and that's the message I have to remind yourself of every single day. So people is what counts, and you know, impacting people for the better is the most satisfying thing that I've ever found to do. So, What, what do you think about uh, Australians now? Should, should Australians, and particularly young Australians, um, fear the future? Um. I don't think so. No, I think it's. I think they should be excited. I mean, they should be excited for the future. And, and I think, um, you know, again, to hark back to the opportunities in Australia for the vast majority. And again, we can throw the caveat out there every single time we have this discussion. There are a lot of people doing it tough in Australia, and particularly in the wake of what happened last year, and, and still is happening at the moment. But. You know, the excitement comes around the opportunities that are available to all young people at the moment. And, you know, there's there's plenty of things out there that we have access to. And as much as we, we bang on about how social media is no good and, and the internet is no good, I mean, there are opportunities that are now available that have never been available in terms of connection, in terms of your ability to pull resources, and in, in terms of your ability to, to find people who think the same as you, to um, access groups that you would never have had access to before. The future is going to be cool. It is. I mean, like the boundaries of community have shifted. And that's because of communication, because of technology. Like a community doesn't have to be your local group around you. It could be people right across the world. I mean, the, the fact that we're able to share so many different ideas and you're able to like riff with someone in Bangladesh and riff with someone over in Scandinavia over a certain idea and topic and thoughts. Can you imagine if some of the, the greatest minds, I mean, because the young Australians that are coming through, they're our next you know, leaders, and there, and then, and now they're able to access more education. You know, you can find all the information you need online. You can speak to experts right around the world, and that's awesome. That's super exciting. I tell my son and my daughters, "Do what you want to do. What, make, what makes you happy?" I struggle with it too because I think this is what you should be doing as a father. I struggle. Hey, I try and pigeonhole my kids sometimes, but like, no, no, no. Then I get time to reflect. And I go, "Let them do what they want to do. Let them be who they want to be." Let them grow who they are. They, they, they're their own person. Let them do that. You know, sometimes I can be a bit controlling as a father. And I've got to pull back and go, nah, man, that's that's what we want to do. And that's what makes them happy and makes them their heart sing. Go for it. So there you have it. The final bell has been rung on episode one of Fearlessly Australian. As old mate Tom Boyd was telling us, finding out what matters to you and accepting others for who they are is a huge part of being fearlessly Australian. I talked about finding purpose through my boxing career and the value of setting goals. And as Jonesy was saying, you need to find the courage to be yourself, whether that's in a school ballet or trekking to the Antarctic. 
It's about embracing fear rather than letting it control you. We don't always have all of the answers, but it's only by talking about things that we learn and grow as people. But we persist, we stay the course, and we better ourselves. That's Fearlessly Australian.